This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Let's give another hand clap of praise for our praise team. Come on. As, 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 as Karina rightly said, they, they could have been in other places then, doing other things, but they decided to be in worship, leading out in worship. They may not be perfect, neither is any of us, but they're still leading out in worship. That God is still using them in spite of them. Come on, say amen. amen. We thank God for the privilege of worship. Let me welcome everyone to this holy convocation. And let me remind you that God is here. We affirm and declare that our God is worthy of all our worship. All the other gods of the nations are idols, but our God made the heavens and the earth. We come to this place affirming that our God is creator, that our God is sustainer, that our God is redeemer, that our God is a friend. Come on, say amen. Uh, this being Thanksgiving weekend, I imagine that some of you this past Thursday went over the mountain and through the woods to grandma's house uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving. And we thank God that you could make your way here. I'm hoping that you did not get sucked in with surfeiting and drunkenness as in you did not overweight, overeat to put on overweight. <laughs> You know, even though the history of Thanksgiving is fraught with controversy, we can still appreciate the universal principle of expressing gratitude or giving thanks to God. Amen. And though it's not limited to any particular season, this season provides us with an opportunity to collectively, as a church, as a family, as a nation, to express our gratitude to God. You know, I heard so many times growing up that ingratitude is worse than witchcraft that I thought it was actually a quotation from the Bible. In fact, 1 Samuel 5, 15, 23 says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Although the saying that ingratitude is worse than witchcraft is not in the Bible, I can truly understand that there is a certain truism in the statement, a truism that speaks to our disdain towards those who are ingrates. To be ungrateful, neighbor, is not simply a matter of being socially impolite. To be ungrateful is not just a faux pas, but it's viewed as a serious sin 
To be ungrateful is worse than witchcraft. Today, we'll continue with the theme of Thanksgiving with our topic, Gratitude Quotient. Gratitude Quotient. Let me begin by positing that our gratitude quote, quotient or our GQ is proportionate to our understanding and appreciation for the love, mercy, grace, and blessings of God. Our gratitude quotient, quotient rather, is proportionate to our understanding and appreciation for the love mercy, grace, and blessings of God. In other words, the extent or degree to which you and I are grateful and have an attitude of gratitude will largely depend on our understanding and appreciation for the love, mercy, grace, and blessings of God. And there is a narrative that is unique to Luke's gospel that I believe illustrates this principle of the gratitude quotient. It is found in Luke's gospel, chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. I read in your hearing from the New King James Version's rendition. The Bible says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Verse 19, and last, and he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God, and I believe it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the clear evidences of your spirit, your presence in this place. As we continue on in worship now with the study of your word, I pray that you will arrest every attention, remove every distraction, speak to our hearts and to our minds. Speak to me and through me. In spite of me, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, neighbor, it is not surprising, it is not surprising that this story is unique to Luke, given that we find him frequently in his writing, in his account, highlighting the oppressed, the outcast, highlighting those on the margins, on the fringes of society. 
We find Luke oftentimes in his narratives casting these outcasts, these, these oppressed, these on the fringes of society as unlikely heroes or protagonists, if you will. And I want you to note how Luke begins the narrative. He begins by noting that Jesus was passing through the midst of Samaria and Galilee en route to Jerusalem. His noting of time and place, neighbor, not only lends to the authenticity of the story, not only says that this was a true story, but it also serves the purpose of highlighting the fact that our Lord was on his final circuit, his final route, as he was making his way to Jerusalem and, yea, to the cross. You see, Calvary loomed largely. He was on his way to lay down his life for humanity, for us. He was on his way to being the sacrificial lamb of God who would provide the cleansing for our sins. Therefore, this narrative was a fitting precursor, a metaphor of sorts for what sin is, what sin does, and its remedy. Note what sin is, what sin does, and its remedy. Jesus also used this event to teach us a lesson about our gratitude quotient. Our gratitude quotient. Luke says in verses 12 and 13, as Jesus entered a certain village, ten lepers greeted him, notice, from afar off, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were not within the village, as this was not permitted according to law, and according to Leviticus 13, 38 to 46, and Numbers 5, 2 to 4. They're not permitted in the village. Rather, they were on the outskirts. They were on the fringes of the village. They were on the fringes of the society. And neighbor, it's one of the reasons I believe that leprosy is such a fitting metaphor for sin. Sin separates. Sin alienates. Sin isolates. And I want you to know that they greeted Jesus from afar off, from afar off again as they were required by law. By law, they had to announce their wretched state so that others would not be contaminated by them. By law, the legal distance between these wretches and onlookers was to be 100 paces. Leprosy is and was contagious. Sin is contagious. Leprosy contaminates. Sin contaminates. They had no doubt heard of the many lepers who had been healed by this Galilean teacher. And someone had sent it out on Twitter that Jesus would be in the neighborhood. But notice that they did not venture to approach him. They knew the rules. But they attracted his attention with their hoarse, sad cry, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
And don't miss it, neighbor, that these, uh, these unfortunate ones did not ask directly for healing, but they asked for mercy. Let me say it again, that they did not ask directly for healing, but they asked for what? They asked for mercy. And note that they addressed him as master. Master. Why did they not ask directly for healing but ask for mercy? Let me posit that they understood, watch this, that they were not deserved, they're not entitled to be healed. Let me say it again. They understood that they were not deserved or entitled to be healed. So they were making their request by appealing to the mercy of Jesus. Uh, one of the problems I have with our current culture, and it's even resident in, in, in our faith communities, is that folks have a sense of entitlement. They believe that as Christians, I'm entitled to be healed. They believe as Christians, God is entitled to, to, to fatten my bank account. That as Christians, I must be inoculated against a tragedy and, and, and difficulty. And not understand that every blessing of God that we enjoy, it's not because we deserve it, but because God is merciful. They said, listen, we don't deserve to be healed. We're not entitled to be healed. So we're requesting, we're making our request, appealing to your mercy. It's one of the challenges I faced in dealing with some of the persons of the current generation, those who've never had or experienced hardship, those whose parents were like helicopters all the time around them, those who parent, whose parents would not allow them to, to scratch their knees, would catch them before they fall, would not uh, expose them to any level of difficulty. Uh, so many times we create a safety sanitized bubble for our children, ensuring that they avoid or they do not encounter any form of adversity. And sometimes what we end up producing are children who feel entitled, who feel that, 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 that the world owes them something who feels that, 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 that mama and papa's only duty is to satisfy their own selfish desires. These wretches understood that they were not entitled to any healing, and so they appealed to the mercy of Jesus. We're throwing ourselves on your mercy. Notice they also said, you are master. In declaring Jesus as master, they were affirming that Jesus, you have total command over sin and sickness. In declaring and calling Jesus master, they were saying, you have total command over disease and death. 
You know, one of the lies that's been told for centuries now and even repeated in the culture is that the devil is in charge of hell. That hell is a place where the devil is in charge. Now, first of all, that's not biblical. Hell is not a place. Hell will be an event according to Revelation. Hell will be an event. And the devil has no control over that event. One of the problems I have sometimes, even with folks of faith, is that we give the devil too much credit. The devil may be powerful, but your God is all-powerful. The devil may be mighty, but your God is almighty. And you need to know as a child of God that the devil deceived a third of the angelic host, but there was a two-third who were not deceived. And the last time I checked, Andrew, two-thirds is bigger than a third. That for every devil that comes up against, I wish I had a witness, for every devil that comes up against you, God's got two that's got your back. They recognize and acknowledge, Pastor Mike, that Jesus was in total control. And I thank God for this reality because there are times when my world is topsy-turvy. There are times when I don't know my left foot from my right foot. There are times when the, the world got me in a spin. But even in those times, I can say like Taylor Swift, Jesus, t- not Taylor Swift, take the wheel. <laughs> take it, master. Take it, master. <laughs> In verse 14, Jesus instructs them, go show yourself to whom? To whom? To the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. And Luke says, and as they were on their way, and as they were on their way, they were cleansed. And as they were on their way, they were cleansed. Now, now, there are two things I wish for you to observe here in this verse. Now, this was the second time in the book of Luke that he's recording lepers being healed, Dane. In chapter 5, verses 12 to 16, he records it. And in both instances, Jesus, Jesus, instructed the men to show themselves to the priests. Jesus instructed the men to show themselves to the priests. You see, according to Leviticus 14, 1 to 32, in order for lepers to re-enter society, they had to be cleared or declared clean by a priest. The priest acted as a kind of health inspector to certify that the cure had, in fact, taken place. Follow me carefully. In giving this instruction... Our Lord not only demonstrated his knowledge of the Mosaic law, but also his willingness to operate within the confines of the law. Let me put it where you can touch it. I am wary of all this health advice 
popping up on WhatsApp. All these cures, all these panaceas, get a bit of this bush, get orange, and you mix it together, and you blend it, take a spoon every day, it cures everything. Notwithstanding, there is no peer review. Notwithstanding, it's outside of the established medical protocols. Everybody now with a cell phone is a doctor. A nutritionist. Giving all sort of health advice. And the evidence, the little that there is, is anecdotal. Well, child, I tried it. I lost 20 pounds. You should try to. Notwithstanding in the process, your liver gets shot. Hello. And other vital organs are, are affected. Hello. Because the, the, it goes against some of these herbs and bushes and, and concoctions. They go against established medical protocols. What I'm saying is watch how Jesus operated within the confines of established medical protocols. Hello. You see, though, though God is not limited to, God sometimes work within. So, years ago, I started eating like an Egyptian. Uh, Dane understands what I mean by that. And uh, so when I went to do my physical that year, my doctor was a bit concerned, and he was telling me, oh, you know, this and that. And I, I said, doctor, it's all right. I, I know what to do. He said, no, oh, this is serious. I got to see you back in six months. I said, sure. And then when I went back and I saw him, he said, wow, wow, this is remarkable. I said, yeah, yeah, no, I, I just started eating like an Israelite again. Well, I didn't see it quite like that. I just said, you know, I, I started to eat as my faith says. And, and so he, he, he saw the difference. The point I'm making here is because I followed God's instructions, I experienced a healing that was confirmed by a doctor. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. Additionally, this would provide an opportunity for the priest to witness the effects of the healing power of Jesus. My doctor said, what do you do? I said, doc, all I did was revert to the way my faith teaches me to live. He was amazed at the results. No medication. Just decided to eat like an Israelite. <laughs> and my doctor, a Nanathanus, was able to see evidences of God's healing in my life. 
It will also serve as proof positive of the Messiahship of Jesus. The second thing I want you to observe in the verse is that Luke says that as they went, they were cleansed. <laughs> as they went, they were cleansed. Now, 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 in, in, in chapter 5, uh, uh, 12 to 16, Jesus, in performing that particular miracle, had touched the leper. And when he touched him in chapter 5, 13 to 16, he was immediately healed. But notice, in this instance, in chapter 17, 14, the healing was realized and experienced as they went. As they went. It was, the healing was contingent on an act of faith. They were healed, not because they lingered in the presence of Jesus, but because they followed his instructions. And I believe that the reason some of us cannot access the blessings of God and access the healing power of God is because we're living in disobedience. We're living lives that are going against the instructions of God. And so that time when I had my health issue, it was because I was eating and living in opposition to God's instructions. But when I decided to follow his instructions, then I accessed the healing and the blessing. It may be, neighbor, that the, the, the reason you're not healed, the reason you're not blessed is because you don't want to follow God's instructions. You want to do life your way and still be blessed by God. You want to eat any way you want to be. You want to eat and bless by God. You want to bless that stuff that, 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 that not even ants would eat and think that you'll be fine. They were cleansed as they were on the way. Don't miss this. When they left the presence of Jesus, they were still leprous. They still had leprosy. It is clear that if they had waited for any visual evidence of healing before going to the priest to pr pronounce them clean, the healing never would have occurred. It is as they were going that the healing was effectuated. It is as we are in obedience to the instructions of God that we will see and others will experience the impact on our lives. Before they could be healed, neighbor, they had to act in faith as if they were already healed. There is no faith without disobedience because according to James, faith without works is dead. The Christian, the man, the woman who has genuine faith will act in accordance with every requirement of God. But watch this, obedience is impossible and ineffective without faith. Faith and obedience, neither can exist in isolation from each other. In verses 15 and 16, Luke now introduces us to an unlikely hero, the protagonist of the story, so to, so to speak. He says, and one of them, verses 15 and 16, and one of them, one of the, one of the ten, when he saw 
that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice did what? Glorified God and fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And Luke notes, and he was a Samaritan. And our Lord responds in verses 17 and 18. Our Lord responds by saying, I know my math is right. I know that there were 10. Did I not cleanse 10? What happened to the 10? What happened to the other nine? How it is that only this outsider, this foreigner, was found the time to come back and give glory and thanks to God. You know, neighbor, you'd have expected all 10 of them to, to return to Jesus and to thank him, but only one did so. And that one, Luke says, was not even a Jew. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews would not normally live together. But misery loves company. And all ten were outcasts. What difference does birth, ethnicity, race, what difference does it make if you're experiencing a living death? There's something about death and disease that levels the playing field. Disease is no respecter of persons. It is not impressed by your zip code. It is not swayed by how much money you have in the bank. It has no regard for the degrees that you hold. This Thursday, we had the privilege, and thank you so much, Nicole and Andrew, what an awesome time we had Thursday. Just ministering to our homeless brothers and sisters. And one of the things I shared with them was that we were not, we were not just there to give them handouts. But we're there to stand in solidarity with them to affirm their humanity. Because oftentimes, our homeless brothers and sisters are overlooked by the society. They become a statistics. They lose their humanity. We see them as an annoyance, a nuisance. We walk the other way. We overlook them. And we don't appreciate some of us that we are one paycheck away from being homeless. That we're one medical issue away from being homeless. We're one crisis away from being homeless. And so we told them then that we were there to affirm their humanity. I thank God that my personhood is in Jesus is not dependent on my zip code. It's not dependent upon the few dollars I have in Bank of America. 
This is not a free ad for them, by the way. <laughs> it's not dependent on the, the letters behind my name. But it's dependent on that line from the Desterata that says that you're a child of the universe. No less than the trees and the stars, you have a right to be here. Your value is not determined extrinsically. Your value is determined intrinsically. You are of worth because you are. When you're going through experiencing a living death, racial and ethnic and socioeconomic boundaries, they disappear. The fact is, whether we want to appreciate it or not, we're all standing in the need of grace. How grateful the men would have been or should have been for the providence of God that Jesus came their way. That he responded to them in love. Wonder thought then that they would form an impromptu men's chorale and they would sing praises before we judge them too harshly. What is our own GQ? What is our own gratitude quotient? How often do we take our blessings for granted and fail to thank God? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, the psalmist says. Too often we are content to enjoy the gift, but we forget the giver. Too often we are, we, we are quick to present to God our prayer list of needs and wants, but slow to praise him. But the Samaritan, Luke's unlikely hero, this protagonist, praised God, fell down at the feet of Jesus, gave glory to God. It would have been understandable if he had followed the other men and, and gone to the temple. But you see, here he first came to Jesus with his sacrifice of praise. And in doing so, he became his own priest and built an altar at the feet of Jesus. This man received more than physical healing. Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. Amen. Let me close with this. And just as a disclaimer, pastors will say several times, let me close with this before they actually close. <laughs> but in 1636, a Lutheran pastor by the name of Martin Rickhart wrote the hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. Beautiful Christian hymn that we oftentimes would sing around about Thanksgiving time. But you know, when he wrote this hymn, he wrote it while the Thirty Years' War was raging. The Thirty Years' War was one of the longest and most destructive conflicts in European history, lasting 
from 1618 to 1648. It is estimated that between some 4.5 to 8 million soldiers and civilians died as a result of the battle, famine and disease. And in some areas, the population dec declined to over 50%. It was during this time that he wrote the hymn, a time when his pastoral uh, duties were most difficult. A time when he conducted as many as 40 funerals a day, including that of his own wife. And yet he wrote those beautiful words as a table of grace for his family. In spite of war, in spite of plague, of the plague around him, in spite of sorrow within and without, in spite of losing his own wife, he was able to give thanks to God from a grateful heart. He wrote, Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices, whose wondrous things has done, in whom this world rejoices who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us, to keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills of this world and the next. All praise and thanks to God, the Father, now be given. The Son and Spirit, blessed to reign in highest heaven, the one eternal God, whom heaven and earth adore. For thou it was, is now, and shall be evermore. Every child of God shall cultivate the grace of gratitude. You see, neighbor, ingratitude opens our hearts to all kinds of sins. Paul says in Romans 1, 21, that an, that an unthankful heart is fertile soil for all kinds of sins. I thank God that he woke me up this morning, woke me up in my right mind, that all my activities of daily living I could perform all by myself. I thank God because I acknowledge that it's because of him I live and move and have my being. That the minute that I'm on the top side of the earth, I have more than enough reason to praise him and to give him thanks. Because God is good to me in spite of me. I thank God that he doesn't treat me the way I deserve. But he treats me the way Jesus deserves. I thank God for God like that. How about you? 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 You're watching online. We want to pray with you and for you, and you're in the house. 
want to pray with you and for you. We're going to segue into making our final presentation, but I have to say this, that ingratitude is indeed worse, worse than the sin of witchcraft. The psalmist says, what should I give to God? How should I respond for all his goodness towards me? He says, I'll take up the cup of salvation. I'll enter into the house of God and I'll give him praise. God has been too good for me not to praise him. And I don't need the last Thursday in November to do that. Every day I get up is a day of thanksgiving. Is a day of thanksgiving. When I have plenty, I can praise him. When there is scarcity, I can still praise him. Today, I'd like to pray for somebody online or here. Say, Lord, I want to adapt and maintain an attitude of gratitude. If that's you, just raise your hand. Lord, I want to adapt and maintain an attitude of gratitude. Father God, we thank you so much for your words today. Oh Lord, may you increase our gratitude quotient. Help us to understand that we are not deserving of your blessings. We don't qualify. It's because of your mercy why we're not consumed. They're renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yes. We pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl. That person has not yet known the joy of full surrender. That your Holy Spirit even now will do his work and speak to that heart. Pray and affirm every hand that was raised, indicating, Lord, give me and help me to maintain an attitude of gratitude. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder Barbary just join us. Elders were here and Serenity and family. Could you just join us, Serenity, as we, we, we affirm and welcome her in uh, to the family of God. We thank God for her decision. Come, come right ahead, Serenity. Come right ahead. We thank God for her. Amen. And, and the family, father, and, and others are standing. And mom, come right ahead. Okay, she, she's, she's uh, babysitting. All right, all right, all right, all right. So uh, I guess in a few more years, I'll baptize that baby. Okay. All right. God will. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, uh, Serenity, we... Can we borrow a mic? 
So we just want to welcome Serenity to the Plantation Church and to the family and to our um, children's department. She'll be getting a whole slew of stuff from our children's department, but today we want to welcome her to the department and to the church and know that each and every person here, Serenity, look around. Every yeah. single member here have your best interests. You have a lot of aunties and uncles and you have it all. We're here for you and for the rest of the family. Okay? Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.